Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Hello, lovely listeners. If you're finding value in what you're hearing today, make sure to head over to the show notes. Not only will you find more details on today's topic, but you'll also get an exclusive invitation to join my free Facebook group, Awakened Souls. This community is perfect for women who are either super curious or currently journeying through recovery. Being part of Awakened Souls offers a supportive environment where you can connect with like-minded women, all working towards an alcohol-free lifestyle. Plus... There are special free gifts waiting inside the show notes, (laughs) curated specifically to empower and assist you on your journey. And if you're loving the content, I'd be so grateful if you take a moment to rate this podcast. Your feedback helps me continue bringing you the conversations and insights you love. Let's keep the momentum going. And remember, you are not alone on this journey. I am here to help you every step of the way. Today, we're thrilled to have Tina Huen as our guest. Tina's story is a fascinating one, beginning with her days as a powerlifter and evolving into a passionate advocate for holistic wellness. She brings a unique perspective to health, combining the joys of intuitive eating, the rhythm of dance, and a profound understanding of food psychology. In this episode, Tina shares her personal journey, delving into the challenges she faced with body image and eating disorders, and how she transformed her approach to health and happiness. We'll explore how Tina uses joy as a fundamental element in her wellness practices and how she inspires others to embrace a balanced and joyful approach to life. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired by Tina's story, where every step towards wellness is a step towards a happier, more fulfilled life. Let's dive into this enlightening conversation with Tina Huen. It's so nice to meet you and have you on my show. And I would just love for you just to talk a little bit about your background and what got you into the holistic wellness space. Okay, so um, I have probably been obsessed with, you know, health, fitness, and wellness for a very long time. Um, I first started as a power lifter. That was my first obsession. I was lifting heavy weight. Um, And then somewhere along the way, I mean, I grew up with my mother constantly telling me like, oh, you'd be so much cuter if you just lost a little bit of weight, you know, like that kind of vibe, you know, like, I think it's an immigrant thing, immigrant parent vibes. (laughs) They're just so blunt, but I grew up with that. So it really affected me, I think, because I'm a very sensitive person um, and maybe I took it too personally or something, but So it led to me in my early 20s to develop an eating disorder when I actually started to try to lose weight. And I think the eating disorder kind of happened because of lack of knowledge. Um, And it lasted for me probably most of my 20s. I call it my lost decade. Like I didn't think about anything else during my 20s except like how do I eat less and how do I lose weight? Um, so yeah, those that was my lost decade. And coming out of it at the other side, I'm in recovery. I don't like to say recovered because 
um, it's like an addiction, right? Like those thoughts are there, they come back every now and then you're like, you have to kind of have the self-awareness to be like, I don't, I don't need to acknowledge that part of me anymore. Like I can leave it in the past. So yeah, I'm in recovery. And um, I feel like a lot of people when I was growing up and I was looking up how to diet and like how to lose weight, um, everything was just based on restriction and like eating less um, and there was no joy in it. So I feel like that is what brought me back to life is to really just focus on, on and on joy, focusing on food that nourishes me, you know, physically, but as well as spiritually, emotionally and mentally, because all of that is so important. And I, I think it's so ridiculous that people say that food is just fuel, like it's so much more than that, right? You know, entire cultures bond around the family table and we have memories of our grandparents, you know, making us food and food is love. It's love. Like when you're little and when you're a baby, you cry because you need attention and then your mom will literally come and feed you. So I think it's ridiculous that people try to remove emotion from food. Um, and also, like, why would you want to? It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is, right? <laughs> I love <Yeah>. food. <laughs> I know. I love food, too. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's such a big part of life. Like, you have to eat multiple times a day. And I think that is what makes it such a struggle when people feel like they want to lose weight and diet because, everyone's telling them just eat less just eat less just eat less like that's it like that's the motto right eat less move more like it's so simple um and then you have to eat a couple of times a day so it feels like am I doing this wrong like there's so much information that goes either way you can find studies that back up that sugar is bad for you and then you could probably find studies that say sugar is good for you so there's so much competing information out there and it's so confusing so for me I just I just want to break it down for people. I want to make it easier. I don't think it has to be complicated. I don't think you have to obsess over anything. Like just how can you make it fun and easy and just, you know, a part of a lifestyle instead of forcing yourself into something. Right. Yes. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I remember like even growing up comparing myself to my sister who is 10 years older than me and she has a different body frame than I do she is tall like six feet tall <laughs> skinny and here I am you know just like five five and just like hey if I eat like one chip I gain five pounds <laughs> you know that's just the way my body was and so and seeing everything on tv all these supermodels I think that the society had us as well we're conditioned first and foremost and looking at the tv and staring at like this is what I should be looking like. This is how I should be eating, you know, because it's all lies, you know, <laughs> you really just have to search and just ask yourself what will make me happy. And you're totally right about that whole family dynamic and just food, you know, like holidays, say, for example, since we're in it practically, what do we do? We all get together and enjoy a nice cooked meal. And I feel like there are diets. I actually was just talking to another lady about this uh, recently, and she was saying like, yeah, everyone goes on the diet, but they don't stay on the diet because it's a diet. It's, it's not a it's not like a lifestyle choice. So how do you actually maintain your own wellness routine in this like busy life that we live in these days? 
Yeah, so that's a really good point that you make. Like anybody can go on a diet for a couple of weeks and probably lose weight, but it's what you do after that. You like you can force yourself to go to the gym every day for a month, but you will probably burn out. And then after that month, you'll get so tired, you rest, right? And then you take like a week off and then it feels harder to get back into the gym because you have this idea in your head that like I went so hard for a month like I can't do it like that anymore so I'm not going to do it at all because like you built it up so hard in your head that it feels even harder to start back up so what I like to do with my clients is like we take everything by baby steps and it almost feels so stupid because it's such a baby step like with one of my clients um, just to get her moving we said every day when she's making her coffee, all she has to do is five air squats. And that that might take you like, what, 20 seconds? <laughs> so um, it's such a baby step, but it's really not about the actual movement. It's about building the habit and getting into it. So it's celebrating the little things. Like um, as, as, as long as she did the five air squats, then she could consider the day a win. And if you consider the day a win, then it's like on a good note. But if you have it in your mind that like every day you have to do an hour workout, that's such a high barrier of entry. And you don't, people don't do it like that all the time. So for me personally, like I just want to get to the gym every day. And what I do there doesn't exactly matter. Um, but once I start moving around, then I start to you know, I, my body starts to wake up a little bit and I start to get into the zone and then I'll, you know, do a, a longer workout if I want to. But the win was actually just getting there. And it's the same with my eating. Like if I prioritize protein and vegetables most of the time, then I'm considering myself a win. And I never, ever restrict anything anymore. I never tell myself that I can't have the chocolate. I never say that I can't eat a bag of chips like if I want it I'll eat it this makes it more friendly I think because when you consider food bad food it kind of makes like I have a, a rebel personality in me so anytime I tell myself I can't have something my brain will immediately go like oh but I really want it <laughs> yeah I hear so, you on that <laughs> I am the same way yeah so I just have to tell myself like if I want it then I can have it and I do just so that I teach myself that like you also teach yourself that it's safe right because nothing's going to happen if you eat it it's just everything bad is in your mind so yeah I can't tell myself that I am not allowed to eat a certain food because then I will eat it like even after all of this recovery stuff that I've done I will still go back to the rebel in me and be like oh nope I want it <laughs> <laughs> right now are there any type of like resources or, or tools that you actually use in particular that has helped you so intuitive eating is how I basically eat and I think it's a book um, you could buy the book and there's like 10 steps to intuitive eating which you might even you'll probably be able to find online as well for free yeah. um, but intuitive eating is just basically um, listening to your body and honoring your body. So when we are taught by diet culture that we have to eat like 1500 calories to lose weight, 
that means that you're ignoring all of your body signals because you're just eating according to a calorie schedule, right? So maybe like 300 breakfast, 500 for dinner, 500 for lunch. I mix that up somewhere. Um, so you're ignoring your body signals. So if your body's hungry, like you're looking at your calories and be like, I don't have enough room for this. I'm not going to listen to my body. So a lot of us have been taught over time to ignore our bodies. So one of the most important principles in intuitive eating is to honor your body and to honor your hunger. So if you feel hungry, then eat. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side of that, though, if you feel full, then stop. I say that to my child too because you know I was taught growing up like you better eat all everything on your plate or else but yet then I have my aunt saying hey you're looking fat lately exactly. <laughs> you know? and it's like no so I'm teaching my children no if you don't want to eat don't, don't finish it save it for later you know and I, I always teach them listen to your hunger you know and pay attention are you eating because you're bored or you know are you eating because if you're you're hungry there's a big difference there and the the same thing, another thing that's important for kids, I think, is to not make any food off limit, mm -hmm. to not treat candy as like a special food, because then you're putting it on a pedestal. So it's the same way for us for to eat ourselves, like don't put candy on a pedestal, it's just another food, like you don't need to save it for a rainy day, you don't have, it's not like a reward, it's just food. Um, so all of these stories that we have around food are simply just stories and you can change them at any time. Yeah, you can always reframe everything and then just tell yourself something different and you'll see it. It, make, it makes a big difference, I feel, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, mm -hmm. what are some of the practical steps, you know, our listeners could actually take reconnecting to their body's uh, natural hunger signals? Yeah, so the biggest thing would actually be to eat slower and eat undistracted. A lot of us are eating with our phones, um, watching television and not paying attention when we're eating. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really easy for you to ignore body signals. But when you eat slowly, you it's a very, very slight feeling when your body tells you that you're full. And it's so easy to just be like, oh, but I want more. So I'm going to continue eating. Um, so when you eat slowly and when you're not distracted, you can start to listen and pay attention to that more. Um, and then it's just a practice of really paying attention and like, because it's hard to stop when you're full, if you're used to overeating all the time, because then you're used to feeling like the extended stomach, like you're used to feeling like 100% full, because then then you know when to stop. But your body is like giving you full signals that may be about like 70, 75% full. So if you wanted to practice intuitive eating, it's really just practicing and like slowly decreasing the amount of fullness over time. So just practice like when you feel that subtle shift in your um, hunger level, practice stopping, like practice pausing, maybe taking like a five minute break from eating and really paying attention to what's going on. And even asking yourself like, do I wanna keep eating because I'm still hungry? Or do I want to keep eating because this is really good? Or do I wanna keep eating because I'm bored, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's really dependent on self-awareness, this whole thing. And like I said, a lot of us spend our day so distracted. So, so like scrolling on our phones all the time, trying to 
occupy our minds that we're so uncomfortable with being bored and with even listening to our bodies. So the more that you can just practice stillness, I think the more it prepares you for everything else. Yeah, 100%. Because I, okay, I have one stepchild who's a little bit on the chubbier side and he likes to eat all the time. And then I have my son and they're only about a year and a half apart. My son who's younger and he's very skinny. <laughs> Didn't take after me apparently. And um, and he has a hard time eating everything, which is totally fine. I get it because he has some stomach issues going on anyway. So I'm, my uh, stepson you know, he always, before you always come downstairs is what's, is, can I have something to eat? Can I have something to eat? Can I have something to eat? So, and then I would give him something to eat and then, and then he's all, can I have some more? And I'd be like, you know what, let's do this. How about you just drink some more water? We wait about 20 minutes and let me know if you're still hungry. If you are still hungry, they can give you something else or the healthier something. <laughs> and so, uh, and this is the one that does not like vegetables. It doesn't like <laughs> fruits or anything. He likes protein, all the, all the, the food that he shouldn't be really eating too much of. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. so we try to incorporate some vegetables in there by here's some carrot sticks and things. Uh, but the other one, my my son, he actually loves like broccoli, he loves carrots, he loves asparagus, he loves, he'll try everything. And he'll tell me uh, in the morning time, the youngest one, I don't want to eat breakfast this morning. Um, I don't, I don't, I want to wait. I said, no problem. I said, do you want me to go ahead and make you some warm water? You know, <laughs> and he says, yeah, I'll have some warm water. So it's so funny to see the two difference between them. <laughs> and then, um, but when they go out and then they tend to have like, we'll go out and we'll have like a pizza or something. Then they're on the same page. It's, it's just very interesting. So I'm happy that I'm able to kind of guide them because I didn't have that guidance at all. It was like, you need to eat all your food or, you know, you, they're going to, they're going to put you <laughs> and make you feel guilty. Like there's starving people in the, uh, in the world that are not eating. It's like, and then we get used to that. So I really agree with what you're mm -hmm. saying about the whole pause and um, just waiting to see, are we still hungry after we eat or are, are we just wanting to eat more because we're just, because we're used to that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thanks for bringing that up. Can you actually share like a personal story, a success story from your clients who have actually have gone through the experience of intuitive eating and it actually made a significant impact on them? Yeah, I think one of my favorite stories is anyone that has struggled with, you know, binge eating or food addiction, you can't keep any food in your house, right? Any snacks, because it's going to be like gone in an instant. So my client and I had been working together for a couple of months. And then she, on our next call, she told me that she was like cleaning out one of her kitchen cupboards and she actually found chocolate that had expired since we started working together. Like she bought chocolate and just completely forgot it was there. And this is something that had never happened in her life before. Um, so I like it's such a tiny win, but it, it shows like the shift in mindset that happened and it was a huge win for her um so yeah I think that's one of my favorite stories yeah and then it, it is about just taking those little shifts and making those changes and then changing the habits and being consistent about it is a big and you know like you said self-awareness that is a huge huge it's huge like and I think in life self-awareness in life you can can't imagine what 
the your potential when you have awareness on everything it's amazing i'm actually going through a process for myself and like a spiritual awareness and so i'm just like I've, I'm delving deep into that. And I'm just like, wow. So yeah, with food, I didn't have a good relationship with food before. Like when I, you know, I was in high school, it was all about McDonald's because it was walking distance and we had like off campus. And so we would just go walk to McDonald's. I would have like chicken nuggets and a Coke and French fries. And, you know, even though I was playing sports, I mean, that wasn't good for my system. You know, I mean, I was feeling sluggish. I was feeling weak and I was wondering why. <laughs> well, hello, <laughs> McDonald's every day. It's not good. <laughs> uh, I think they even made a movie about that. Was it called uh, Super Size Me or something like that? I forget some documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he did it for like 30 days and he like gained like 30 pounds. I'm not sure. <laughs> or even more. I'm not, I forget. Um, yeah. But I remember all of like eating horribly and then then going into college, like, man, it was easier to lose all that weight eating bad. And then in college, it's like, okay, you know, I'm starting to drink more, socialize more, and everything was based on food and alcohol, food and alcohol. And that's what it was all about. And then the weight started going on. And it's like, oh, and then I got into these fad diets, like there's always a diet, there was always a new trendy diet that was online, that was in a magazine that was on TV that they're trying to like, there's like diet pills that they're trying to sell on TV. I think I've tried literally everything. And to this day, I'm actually at a point where I do use my intuition because I am intuitive. And I do listen to my hunger cues. And I do listen to myself, like, Am I even hungry? Why am I even eating anything? You know, and if I want to have like my mm -hmm. mom, okay, my birthday is coming up in a couple of days and she bought me like a wonderful, I don't know if you ever heard of nothing bunt cakes that, that, uh, bunt store cake store. Oh, mm -hmm. anyway. So it's like all of our favorite cake. And so it's a bun cake, but it's chocolate. I love chocolate and chocolate chip. So she bought that for me and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm excited. I brought it home. And then I just had a little piece and that was just satisfying for me because I didn't really like need it anymore. Like I'm like, I'm okay. So I really am listening to my hunger cues and, and I feel better because like I'm not restricting myself and I do exercise, not like as much as I used to, but I still am. And I, I feel good because I don't feel restricted. I don't have to be all nervous to go to restaurants and like having to say, okay, can you leave out the dressing? Can you make sure that this is cooked grilled? And you know what I'm saying? That mentality is excruciating. Yes. <laughs> it yes. literally is excruciating. And, yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that like dieting, it's stressful on the body physically, but also mentally, like calorie counting um like avoiding certain foods some people try to go gluten-free dairy-free soy-free and I could not I love all of those things but I have like everyone's tried all the diets right like I did try to go even carb-free I tried to go keto when I was trying to all, all these different fat diets and they're all exhausting and I I'm like because you said we're all intuitive um and I'm just learning like your body knows what it needs um, if you just, if you just listened, like your body gives you signs and signals, but they're all very, very quiet and you just have to pay attention to them. Like if you needed salt because you were thirsty, you might start craving salty food. And I, I don't even really watch what I eat anymore. Um, I just, so one of my pro or one of my goals for every day is just to have a high protein diet because I lift weights and I want to gain muscle. And that is literally the only 
food rule that I have for myself is just prioritize protein. So some days, like I've been on this like quesadilla kick. I haven't had vegetables for a few days, but it's like, it is what it is, right? So you don't have vegetables for a few days, but then like the third day of doing that, you're like, oh wait, I could really use the salad. Like it's just, it's inherent. It just comes out Mm -hmm. Um, and then you get a salad. So I really feel like if you just pay attention to your body, it knows exactly everything that you need. And you're right. Like it's, we're like, people are so taught to ignore everything. So once we start paying attention, I think that's when all of the magic happens. Oh, yes. And then we were also talking about physical movement. Like you were mentioning with your client, you know, as she's making her coffee, she was doing some air squats. I mean, that's great. You know, there's those little corporations that you can uh, add into your daily routine, your morning routine, or even your evening routine. Um, is there any other other movements that people should be doing in their day or what are some tricks or hacks that you can give us? It's really all about walking. Walking is, I think, the most important thing. We are so confined to our desks now um as like office workers and desk workers um we don't get enough movement in like I am probably at my desk for eight hours a day so I have to make the intention to go outside and go for a walk like I have to make the intention to go to the gym because if we're not you know after work most people are just continuing sitting because now they're going to watch Netflix or Disney or something right um and that's what I mean by it has to be a lifestyle change so if you are sedentary for most of your day, it needs to be counterbalanced and it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be painful. If all you did was walk, you would be probably better than like the average if all you did was just walk every day. Um, but like you said, in my introduction, I, I also try to make it fun. So I have started to take dance classes um, and I dance every now and then, even at home by myself, I'll put on music when I'm sad and I start dancing because you can't be sad and dance at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, so like my client, like when we started out with five air squats, um, I also tell people maybe it's the dead of winter and you don't want to go outside, just like walk in circles around your house. It doesn't have to be you know, a year long commitment to a gym membership, you don't have to buy a whole bunch of weights, you don't have to start a daily yoga practice, just do something that is more than you did yesterday. um, And just continue to do it as much as you can every day. And I think there are studies that show like, even if you're not 100% consistent, even if you're just, you know, 20% consistent on your goals, of walking every day, if you did like two out of seven days a week, you would still make progress. Eventually, it would be slower, obviously, but just some sort of effort to get your body moving will add up. So I think that is probably one of the biggest take home messages for me is just like, just move, like whatever it is, just do it and do it as much as you can. But like, don't put the pressure on yourself that you have to do it every day because you don't have to do it every day in order to make progress. Because I know for a lot of people, when they start off, like I work out every day at this point in my life. But when I started, I fell off when um, COVID happened and because we were all at home for a while. So I stopped working out 
But when I started working out again, post COVID, I didn't go from zero to nothing. I, I started going to the gym, maybe like, honestly, maybe like twice a month. And you just have to be like accepting of it. Um, because for me, the more pressure that I put on myself, the worse my mental talk gets and like the less that I want to keep doing it. So a huge part of all of this for me is also like, how can I be more compassionate towards myself? And how can I just love myself more? So when I worked out twice a month, it's just like, okay, it's like, that's all I have the capacity for is just twice a month. And then eventually it became once a week. And then eventually it became twice a week. And now it's every day. And it's that long-term lifestyle change, like the, the changes over time, that's the stuff that sticks. Because like I said earlier, anybody can go to the gym, force themselves to gym for an hour every day for a month. But you know, you're gonna burn out eventually. Um, you're gonna get exhausted and then what? And then you might fall off the boat and even end up at a worse spot than you did before. Maybe you're not used to it. Maybe you go so hard, you injure yourself. And then it's a, like a net negative now. So yeah. if you just do it slowly, build it up over time, I think that's the best way. Absolutely. Because I know I, I did go to the gym once before. This is a long time ago, in my 20s. And I remember I'm like, I'm going to go full throttle. I'm going to go ahead and work out hardcore. I'm going to get a trainer. Da, da. And I was going like really hard. And then I hurt myself. And then I couldn't go to the gym anymore. And then did I want to go back to the gym? No, because it <laughs> deterred me from wanting to even be there because it reminded me of my injury and I don't want to feel that pain again. So I totally, I totally get what you're saying. And then for me right now, it is about movement because I am at a desk all the time. You know, I well, once a week I do massage, actually twice a week I do massage and that is movement for me. And I appreciate that. And one of the days of the two, I'm outdoors and getting the sun, getting doing the massage because we're outdoors doing it. I uh, probably won't be doing it for so long because it's getting cold now. <laughs> but uh, during the, the summer and spring and then literally fall, we were doing that. And uh, it is not about just moving your body. You know, so when I'm at my desk and it's been a long time, like my body tells me, because uh, it starts hurting, like you need to move. And so I'll just go mm -hmm. ahead and have one of my trainers. So she's made a, she made like a whole bunch of like yoga videos because she's a yoga expert. So a bunch of yoga videos for me. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this one today. And then afterward, and I feel so much better because after her yoga videos, there's like a little breathing segment. So we do that. And then I'm like, okay, now I can get back to work and my body feels mm -hmm. more loose. And, and I also love the thing that you brought up with the dancing. I love dancing. I always say, you know, uh, house cleaning, because I'm always cleaning the house. <laughs> that is movement as well. So yes, it is. <laughs> pushing that yes, back, it and is. back and forth. You're working <laughs> out your arm. <laughs> You're like, what's up? And a nice clean house, which is a nice clean environment. So it's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> Yeah. So um also want to talk about sleep because okay. for me, sleep, it's hard for me to get good rest. Now, do you feel like we need to just listen to our bodies when it comes to sleep? Because sometimes I can't sleep and it's like, okay, I don't want to take medicine or anything. I just, my body, I'm just awake, not thinking too much in my mind at all. Just I'm awake. But then some other times I just like knock out completely early and I'm like, okay, my body's telling me to go to bed. Is there like a set time that we're supposed to sleep or do we, should we just listen to our bodies as well? It varies from person to person, depending on like 
it varies from person to person on what time you should go to bed every day. So I can't tell you um, what would work for you. But like the sleep science shows that if you keep a consistent bedtime and awake time, that is the best to always go to bed around the same time and always wake up, I think within like the hour. Um, so that is the best way to have a consistent sleep schedule. And if it varies too much, then maybe potentially your body gets used to the variance and doesn't know when to be tired. So it might it might suffer in that way. And the best way to go about it is to have a routine. But if you're having trouble falling asleep, I would say take a look at your habits before going to bed. Because I know like when I go on Instagram and TikTok before I go to bed, like my brain is wired and I do not want to go to bed. So I have to try extra hard to go uh, get sleepy after I'm just scrolling on Instagram. So I think it's really important to kind of have a winding down session um, or maybe like a half hour before you go to bed where you can try avoid your phone as much as possible. Uh, although I, I struggle with that. <laughs> probably every day. <laughs> so um, instead of like avoiding my phone, I just kind of meditate and do a breathing sequence before I go to bed and just focus on my breath and center myself. And then I relax that way. And there's also um, supplements. Um, it's not necessarily medicine, but if you are lacking in magnesium, which most people are, magnesium deficient if you take magnesium before bed it will help you fall asleep as well and I I know every time I take magnesium my sleep quality is so much better mm, magnesium is so good I take that too at night and I sleep mm -hmm. wonderfully and then there's mm -hmm. also melatonin that people take uh and then chamomile tea people drink mm -hmm. at night uh l-theanine is another one yeah that's um, right. there's a lot of different things you could do I just stick to magnesium um and meditation yes and I would what I've been actually exploring is the frequency hertz uh so 432 mm -hmm. hertz of frequency music and just kind of like sleep is actually wonderful so instead of going on your phone just go onto YouTube and put that in there and then <laughs> just listen to the music and so that way the phone is there and then you can just rest. That's what I've been doing. Yes. It's been working beautifully for some of the nights that I'm like a little bit restless. <laughs> yeah. Just give your brain something to focus on. And like that sound is perfect too. Yeah. I love, I love the meditation. I love um, just feeling connected to my body and my spirit. And I feel like I'm able to escape this world and go into another world. <laughs> That's a different podcast, but it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> meditation is life-changing once people get actually get into meditation, for sure. Yeah, I remember I was like, I hate meditation because I didn't know how to meditate properly because I my mind was still talking too much. Just like, shut up, mind, like, leave me alone. I want to mm -hmm. meditate now, but it wouldn't turn off. And it didn't get to a point where like after like all this healing that I've done in the past and everything. And now I'm able to shut my mind off whenever I want to. It's like, you're done. <laughs> I don't need, you don't exist in my head right now. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, oh, it's because I was the worst. I was the worst. I had such bad um, thoughts about myself. I was always mm -hmm. afraid of like, what's going to happen. I hated myself. I hated everything. It's like, 
man, you want to make sure your mind is your best friend, not your enemy. So I had to like change mm -hmm. that completely. And it's been working great. So now I'm able to meditate because before I couldn't, I'm just a little bit like jittery and all anxiety-ish. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Yeah. It well, you know what they say, like the the less time you have to meditate, that means the more you need to meditate. <laughs> right, right. And now I can yeah. just meditate for two minutes, but it feels like two hours. I'm like, wow, where'd I go? That's incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. You must have been meditating for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, it seems like it, but I've only really started doing it for like maybe two years now. I think mm -hmm. since like actually COVID happened and I had time to pause and like learn about mm -hmm. myself. And that's what really, even though I was, I was already on the recovery journey from alcoholism and from like 2017, it really wasn't until we like stopped everything. And then I didn't have to worry about work because <laughs> no one was getting massages. I wasn't giving massages during that time. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let me just discover who Gina is and let, let me see what she's all about and what she likes. And I just explored, I studied and I mean, I studied, I did a lot of research just online <laughs> doing my own stuff. And then I learned so much mm -hmm. like, wow, this is amazing. So life is, is better when you meditate, you'll see people, you'll see. <laughs> it is and it, like meditation goes hand in hand with all of this work mm -hmm. too, because like, like I mentioned eating undistracted that's like a, an eating meditation when you're just sitting there and you're focusing on your food you're focusing on your taste that's basically an eating meditation and what meditation teaches us is like to be okay with yourself and your thoughts and you don't have to listen to all of your thoughts because your brain thinks thoughts without your consent basically right it just goes and goes and goes and meditation teaches you that you don't have to listen to this so like if you tie that back into eating and like hunger or like when you know you're full but your brain is just like I want this snack I want this candy I want this chocolate you can meditate on it and be like I I hear you but I don't want to listen to you right now I know I don't need the chocolate and you can meditate on it and just like take the thought and release it like let it go <laughs> yeah I think my husband needs to practice that one because he could he eats fast and a lot at once and for me I eat and now now I do eat very slow and I'm just take my time and I'm just a slow eater <laughs> and I like that though because it allows me to chew my food more and then it digests my stomach and here he complains about his stomach being all bloaty and gassy and this and then I'm like I don't ever experience that and I can eat spicy food you know uh I don't get bloated or gassy <laughs> so it's yeah. just really like kind of like just chewing and just eating slow I enjoy my food better that way too and it lasts longer <laughs> Yes, yes, that is a huge tenet of uh, intuitive eating is to chew your food thoroughly, because then you can actually taste it, you enjoy it, it lasts longer, just like you said. Um, and your body also takes time to realize that it's full, right? Mm -hmm. So you give yourself the time to when you're eating slowly. Yeah. Now for someone feeling overwhelmed uh, with where to start on you know, their wellness journey, what would be the first step you would recommend for them on this holistic health path for um I would say that it's all in your head like it's all a mental game so whatever you do just do it like don't overthink it don't overanalyze it there's no perfect you know like it, 
everyone has something else that works for them. So you could have a hundred different people tell you things that work for them and you don't have to listen to any of them, right? You find what works for you. And if you don't know what works for you, just keep trying and keep going. And just remember that like, it's an experiment. It's a journey. This is your life, right? You're don't rush it. Just take your time, do what you need to do and have fun while you're doing it. I think that's, yeah, just, you know, have fun. Why make it harder for yourself than it already is? Right. And if you're, if you're not having fun, then you're not doing it right. That is, a, that is a saying. That's right. <laughs> Remind me of that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And where can our listeners go ahead and learn more about your work and connect with you? So my website is tinasarena.com. So T-I-N-A-S-A-R-E-N-A.com. And uh, I'm on Instagram the most, but you can find my Instagram link on my website, but it's Tina's or Tina's underscore arena underscore on Instagram. Nice. nice. And any last thoughts, Tina at all? Um, thank you. Thank you very much for this conversation. It was really fun. Um, I hope, I hope if there's a main takeaway for anyone, it's just like we're we're too hard on ourselves. Just let it go. Let go of all of your shits that people put on you just do what you want to do have fun while you're at it and you know it doesn't have to be perfect it could be messy if you want it to <laughs> but have fun <laughs> yes we're only here for a little bit of time why not make the best of it you know and mm-hmm. why all these rules be yourself you know if you're know. you know you're a loving person then you know just shine 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 (laughs) if you want to eat cheese then eat cheese (laughs) cheese yeah (laughs) that's okay heck even I eat cheese and I'm lactose intolerant (laughs) so if I want it I'm like well I'm just gonna eat anyways see what happens (laughs) awesome well thank you so much Tina I appreciate you having you on my show today thanks for having me again Gina To my cherished listeners, from the very depths of my heart, thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts. And it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1855-649-6196. Again, that's G-I-F-T at 1855-649-6196. With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.